Hello, everyone. Thank you, Terry and Adri. And I'm going with Nelson for my choice of that uh, puppet. Nelson 2.0. Or maybe the real Nelson is 2.0, an improvement from the puppet. Anyways, um, <laughs> if you have never seen my face before, my name is Scott McTaggart, and I am one of the pastors with Artisan Church and grateful and weirded out by being with you in this way. It just does not, not felt normal to be in front of a screen and I'm choosing for it not to feel normal uh, and look forward to the day where we can be in person. Um, so today, as you know, is Palm Sunday and we are, uh, that means wrapping up Lent and heading into Holy Week. And there's lots of great ways to engage in Holy Week. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about those later. But first, I want to start with a bit of a thought experiment. Um, imagine where you are, Jesus, coming over to your place to be with you right now. So Jesus in the flesh knocks on your door and asks to come in for a drink. After you realize it's actually him, you begin probably, as I would, asking him all sorts of questions about the creation of the world, the state of the world right now, his role in all of it. Uh, but mostly, maybe you're just in awe that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is actually sitting with you in your home. And after you say a bunch of things, he asks one question. He says to you, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say? What would be your response to that question? I want you to actually think about it this morning. If Jesus sat across from you and said, what do you want me to do for you? Maybe if you take notes, write down your response. If you're watching this with someone, share your response. What, what would that response be? Or play it out in your head. I'm going to give you a minute to uh, respond to that question. Oh, someone said, as you respond to that question, someone is texting me. This is the hard part about doing Zoom. Someone said my beard is scratching my mic. I've never had a problem with my beard being ever in the way because it's not really a beard. But thank you for that. And I'll do what I can. Maybe open it up a little bit. All right. Wait a Way to get in the flow here. Is that better? Okay, where were we? Back to this this question. Guys, I was trying to have a serious moment here. Now you're talking about my beard or non-beard. So I want you to think about this question. What would what would you say? What would be your response? Maybe jot down a few things or share with people that are with you. Jesus says this to you in the, in the flesh. What do you want me to do for you? So 
So right before Jesus enters Jerusalem, like Peter read for us this morning in Mark chapter 11, this is a classic Palm Sunday scene, but right before it, Jesus actually asks this same question. Two separate encounters with two different responses. And the first story is from Mark chapter 10, verse 35 to 45. I'm going to have it up on the screen here, and you can look it up if you'd like to. Let's read the first story, the first response to this question. The title, and most Bibles will say the request of James and John, who were disciples of Jesus. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. It's a pretty bold statement. Then the question comes, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. And they replied, let, uh, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Speaking of his suffering, his upcoming suffering on this cross. We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many is the word of the Lord. So here in this first story, we have this question asked to James and John, his disciples, some of his closest followers and students, what do you want me to do for you? And the response is a request for power, prestige, for glory. And Jesus essentially denies their requests and puts them in their place. My paraphrase is, guys, you're not getting it. Power and glory, the way you're trying to grasp it, is not the way of my kingdom. This is the way of the world that is contrary to our Father's intent. Instead, you're called to be different, to humble yourselves, to serve. I like what the African Bible commentary has to say about this passage in the kingdom of God, the one who is first takes the lead in serving others. The son of man is the supreme example to follow. His principle of leadership is self-giving service as he gives his life for a ransom. That's the first story. Second story, right after, and they're back to back, a story of a blind man named Bartimaeus 
It says in verse 46, same chapter. Follow with me. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling. <laughs> I love that line. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And then the question comes again. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received a sight and followed Jesus along the road. And what a contrast, hey, of the two stories. We have this request for glory, and then Bartimaeus, the blind man, a request for mercy, and the Lord responds. And I think Mark, the author of this, is doing something intentional here by putting these two stories back to back. And it's right before chapter 11, as I mentioned, that Peter read for us this morning, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the Palm Sunday text right before this. A friend of mine and pastor in Vancouver named John Howe, he calls these two different responses, these two stories, he calls them uh, glory prayers and mercy prayers. Glory prayers and mercy prayers. So in the first story, the two disciples request glory. They want honor, power, authority. Whereas in the second story, the blind man asks for mercy to be healed, to see, to be spared from a life of darkness. So at the beginning, when I asked you what your response would be to Jesus asking you this question, could you name which of those requests would be more like glory prayers and which would be more like mercy prayers? Think about it. If you wrote it out or if you thought about it or if you shared with someone, what, what were more, and I know there's, this is two categories, there's many more, but what would be more like a glory prayer, a prayer for success, to excel, to exceed, to succeed, and what would be a, a prayer of mercy? And I want to ask the question, are glory prayers wrong? I don't think so. John and James did it. Uh, in our series in the Psalms, we see David and the authors often praying these glory prayers for greatness, victory in battle, etc. But I think the, the message here might be to check your motives and to ask, what are these glory prayers for? If they are for excelling, succeeding, to what end? But I think the freedom is that we're able to bring these to God. And we just need to trust him with the response. I like what Anne Lamott says. I, I like pretty much what everything what she says, but 
She says, most good, honest prayers remind me that I'm not in charge, that I cannot fix anything, and that I open myself to being helped by something, some force, some friends, some something. But Jesus seems to have a special attention for mercy prayers. He seems to even favor the poor and the powerless, those who are desperate, beatitude people. So what are our prayers for mercy? How are we like the blind Bartimaeus? These can be prayers for healing, for sight, physically, metaphorically, for reprieve, for protection for ourselves or for others. Where are we desperate for God to show up? What do we need saving from right now? Last week, Blythe gave an awesome sermon in the home liturgy. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, about A big part of it was about shalom, this idea of peace. And we all long to be saved from something. We all long for some version of shalom in our lives, some sort of peace or rightness or justice or wholeness. And she quoted Randy S. Woodley, all humanity has the same desperate need of healing because God has designed us all to live in a world of shalom. So I want to take a bit of a risk right here. And uh, if this is a bit of a risk because I, I don't have much prepared more beyond this by means of words to say to you. Honestly, I don't know what there is to say on the subject, but I really would love to hear from you. What are your prayers for mercy? Where do you need God to show up? And this is the risky part. I want to invite you, if you feel comfortable, to write in the chat right now, what are some of those prayers for mercy? And maybe you feel uncomfortable letting the whole group know, and, but you wouldn't mind sharing. Share them to me privately so that you can remain anonymous to the group and I'll read that without your name. But could we now pause and maybe dig into this question a little bit? At the beginning when you wrote a response or thought of a response, what do you want me to do for you? What were some of those cries for mercy for you yourself? There's a bit of a prayers of the people moment. And so I wanna invite us to take a minute right now to respond to this question. Where do you need God to show up? What are those mercy prayers? And like I said, if you feel comfortable, put them in the chat so everyone can see and I'll read them out loud. Or uh, send it to me personally and I'll read it without your name. So I'll take a minute for, for you to write some responses. Thanks, Paul. Prayer for work. To know his will and to have the courage to do it. To not have my life be a waste. Feeling less stress about housing. Jay, 
Thanks for sharing. Housing search in a ridiculous market. Yep, I hear you. For God to show up in our home. Yes. My anxiety. Thanks, Andres. Protection for friends and family. Strength admits amidst this full season. Uh, Chris and Caitlin, to be held and physically connected. Matt and Jalen, peace personally and in our community. Carolee, for radical self-acceptance, compassion and kindness towards myself. Mm. Getting a lot of, a lot of uh, private messages here. Thank you for sending those. Heal my wife's concussion system symptoms. Mm -hmm. Lord, in your mercy. Desiring joy. Healing for my family, personally and interpersonally. Yes, Lord, in your mercy. Grace in conversations with denomination. Yeah, family, other leaders. Thanks, Terry. Uh, in those moments when we're trying to parent well. <laughs> Amen to Terry. To have peace with my parents while I have them. Yes, Lord, in your mercy. So good, Terry. Relief from chronic pain. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For a future spouse, one chosen by God and not myself, desiring companionship and love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For protection and guidance for a dear friend and brother who is under attack from false accusation. Lord, in your mercy. Healing for dysfunctional extended family. Yes, Lord, in your mercy. In my romantic life. Yes, Lord, in your mercy. From Riley to heal the people, from someone to hear, heal the people that have COVID. Oh, from Riley. Thank you, Riley. Maisie, I want God to give me a big hug. Yes, Lord, in your mercy. Oh, would like help from Jesus as I am to be more embodied in my decision-making, that I would get more in touch with actually living out my ideas, goals, and dreams. Yes, Lord, in your mercy. Whew. It's really good. Thank you all for sharing. And for those of you who didn't but have the same prayers or thoughts. As I said, I don't have much else to say. I just want to let those soak in. I wonder though, as a community, how could we be more like Jesus, our humble leader, and ask the same question to our community? What can I do for you? You know, often we think of this as, oh good, Jesus is going to Jesus is going to answer my prayer for mercy. 
well, what if the answer to prayer is the community showing up for one another? What if the answer to these prayers is us asking the question that Jesus asked? What is it that you want me to do for you? As you look through this list, just encourage you to ask that question. Is there a need or a, a person that you can follow up with? Is there someone that you can commit to praying for? And we are people of faith. We are people of Palm Sunday. We come to, and I imagine Bartimaeus and James and John lining the streets with the people shouting Hosanna, which means, Lord, save us. Lord, show up in your mercy. Hear our prayer. The people that have gone before, people in authority, they haven't answered us. They haven't shown up. They've, they've done it coercively or harmfully. Jesus, could you be different? Could you be gentle and humble like you say you are? Could you be a new kind of king? And this is the gospel, friends, that the good news uh, that God our Father, the creator out of his great love for us, has come to rescue us from sin and death and to renew all things through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. This is for God's great glory and our profound joy. Say this with me together, friends. We acknowledge God as our creator and give him thanks. We acknowledge our sinfulness in thought, word, and deed. The things we have done and left undone, we cannot save ourselves. We trust Christ to be our savior and redeemer, the one who lived for us, died for our sin, and rose again. We see our true identity and loyalty as disciples of Jesus, and we submit to his leading. We choose to seek first the kingdom of God rather than the systems of the world. We humble ourselves and seek to live lives of love and compassion, joining God in his work of renewal. We hear the announcement of the gospel and receive it as good news with repentance, faith, and joy. I want to invite us now to come to the table. And uh, if you've prepared stuff, wine, juice, or bread to get that ready right now. And uh, we're going to enter just a few moments of response. And in this response time, I want us to simply come to Jesus to sing with Dylan as he leads us, and also to bring uh, before God these prayers that have been said, to hold them before the God who listens to the God who hears, who cares for us, the great shepherd, and uh, the one we say, Hosanna, Lord, save us too. So come and eat right now, or maybe later as you eat a meal, uh, remember the body of Christ given, the blood of Christ shed, out of love for you. Amen. Mm -hmm.